A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he can keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 60 second. UHF 60 second. I know. Welcome back to UHF 62nd, the podcast where we talk about the 1989 Weird Al film UHF 62 seconds at a time. I am your host with a steadily graying beard, David. I am joined by my co host with a wonderful full head of hair. Jonathan? Oh, thanks. That's very nice of you. It, well, I'm, it's we more seen each other in a while. It's more envy than... Uh, but anyway, uh, we are also joined by uh, Rudy Thornburg from Open the Podcast Doors Hal. <laughs> Excellent work. Glad to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us again uh, for episode 12. And we do not have a timestamp, Jonathan, because you've not done all the work. I sure do. Oh, I sure awesome. do. I got my, got my notes right here. It is. Uh, this starts at eleven twenty-two and goes till twelve twenty-four. What that means for the regular person is that uh, this segment begins with the end of the cheek gag, and it ends with uh, Aunt Esther finding the deed to Channel sixty-two in uh, Uncle Harvey's sport coat pocket. So we're all done here. <laughs> We've covered it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Now, in the last minute, we were introduced to Aunt Esther, but did we actually find out what her relationship was to him? Where at the very beginning of this minute, he says, you know, where's Uncle Harvey? But did he ever say, like, Aunt Esther? No. Who's the one that's a blood relative? Well, okay, let's get right into it. Because, guys, I this is, I promised some uh, speculation last episode. So I noticed something while I was preparing for this minute that I'd never noticed before in this movie. And you're probably going to laugh because it's completely inconsequential and you probably have seen it. But Terry is in the background. Terry is at this party when George has the is trying to let the dog drink from the ladle. You can clearly see Terry talking to another guest in the background. Yes, I noticed that as well. And I may also be ashamed to find out that that may be the first time I noticed that. It was the first time I'd noticed that. And then also uh, combine that with a, a nifty difty uh, little map of where all these locations are in the city of Tulsa um, that Jonathan has wonderfully put together on our website, UHF62ND.com, UHF62nd.com. If you go there, you can look at where all these different places are. And uh, the Bilchik residence is very close to Terry's apartment. I, my theory is that actually Harvey Bilchik and Esther Bilchik are Terry's aunt and uncle, not George's. Oh, you just blew oh. my mind. <laughs> because he brings her there and she's, she's obviously talking, you know, like George is kind of like on Esther's heels. Like he doesn't know anybody else at the party except for her. So he's going to stick with her. And she is talking to, uh, Terry is talking to other people at the party. Like she knows all of her aunt and uncle's friends. And also, you know, also uh, to skip ahead to the very end of the minute when, when, uh, um, or actually, well, I guess this is cheating. This is skipping ahead to the next episode, actually, when, when Esther, you know, says she knows just the person around the station. Harvey's reaction to that is, more, you know, if this was actually his nephew, 
even though George is kind of a screw up and, you know, has four jobs in a month and whatever, but his reaction is so, you know, this is like his nice niece who he loves his, his nice niece's screw up boyfriend. And so he's like, no, not him. You know, he's, he really doesn't like George at all. Um, and I think it's because he's, you know, the interloper on his nice, innocent niece. So that's my, uh, theory that I've concocted. I'm liking it. I'm ready to read some UHF fan fiction. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, I don't I don't know know what to say to that. And also, I guess backing up to answer your original question, we do not know um, strictly from the movie. I don't think we know Esther's name or learn Esther's name in this film. I don't. That's her character's name, but I don't think that anybody actually calls her Esther in the movie. I don't remember knowing that. I guess we'll have to. Uh, I guess well, someone will have to pay attention. One of these people that are watching this minute by minute. Not me, Jonathan, you're it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we do learn Uncle Harvey's name. And any Weird Al fan that knows lots of Weird Al stuff knows that uh, Harvey is a, a name that keeps popping up. There's Uncle Harvey, and he actually showed up in a few different, uh, like, LTV. Uh, there's also Harvey the Wonder Hamster. I actually thought that they were related somehow, um, but I guess both of those Harveys come from a mutual friend of Weird Al and uh, Jay Levy. Uh, it was uh, Harvey Lee from Epic Records. And I say friend, but I guess I don't really know. That's just something they they kind of speed past in the commentary. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it's just somebody that they knew or actually somebody that they hung out with a lot. I don't know. Harvey Lee. It's a great name. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's a kind of a, what do they call that? An anagram. If you switch that around a little bit, you get uh, Lee Harvey and then all you have to do is add Oswald. an Oswald. Yeah. And then, then mm. now we can talk about some conspiracy theories. <laughs> we could, <laughs> but, uh, I'd rather talk about Stanley Brock, uh, who plays Harvey Bilchick, but I can't sure. talk very much about him because I have seen him in a grand total of two things. One of them being UHF. The other one being, a movie that I just saw last week for the first time on Amazon Prime called Night of the Comet, which was really not very good, but it was kind of really fun and entertaining. But I watched. I love that movie. I, uh, I it has a certain <laughs> amount of charm. It was just on Prime, and so I was like, "Well, I guess I'm going to watch this movie I know nothing about." And uh, two minutes well, yeah, into the movie, I told movie, you my notes were sparse, but uh, that's actually one of my notes. Was oh. like, you got to you know check out this guy's work in Night of the Comet. It's on Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> wonderful i mean you're right it's not a great or maybe even good movie but it's charming and fun and you know when i was 10 or 13 or whatever it was definitely a, an enjoyable movie so I, I like it i would recommend it i wouldn't say it's a great movie but it's fun and effective uh, it's it's creative you know it's imaginative yeah it held my attention yeah is that a better recommendation than uh zapped yeah i mean zapped is pretty ugly you know i i I guess that's the best word I can think of. Like when you start to see how Willie Ames's character behaves in that movie, you're just like, well, now I hate Scott Bayo's character for even being friends with him. This guy is such a disgusting whatever. <laughs> so and at that point, you're like, well, what? I'm kind of dis- disengaged from the film at this point. Uh, but it is really, really weird. So I, I didn't turn it off. I-, I watched the whole thing. I've got it on VHS if you want me to fax it on over to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll wait for it. <laughs> uh, my my little tidbit that I have about Stanley Brock, the band Rush has an album called Hold Your Fire, and uh, some of the insert photos that Stanley Brock is supposed to be the guy that is juggling fireballs. What? Weird. That's pretty rad. Uh, he was in Amazon Women on the Moon. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like you guys have not seen that movie. 
Uh, no, I was just about to wonder out loud why I haven't seen that movie, but I have not. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, it's a collection of like, uh, what's like spoofs, you know, it's like just total absurdist ridiculousness that the quality of humor that's probably aimed towards a, you know, nine to 13 year old, but there's like all kinds of nudity and sex jokes in it that, you know, really aren't appropriate for 10 year olds, but it's just the sort of thing that the dawn or the, the heyday of cable television made possible. It's so like, it's really, really funny. It is exactly like Kentucky fried movie, but it's a little bit, you know, higher production quality. Like it's actually entertaining and you don't feel like you're having a fever dream all the way through it. Not that I don't love Kentucky (laughs) fried movie. This is just, a little bit more cohesive it's and i can't <laughs> using the word cohesive to describe uh amazon women on the moon is like <laughs> using restraint <laughs> to describe anything in uhf um but it's a really good movie and uh geez i shouldn't even say that it's totally worth watching i'm really bombing the movie uh, recommendations <laughs> i guess i don't want to spoil his his character but i will because nobody's going to watch this movie if they haven't already seen it uh, he's in an ad for uh, a service called hair looming where it's like a <laughs> hair replacement therapy, but they take this like staple gun and they, they staple like carpet into your hair. So he ends up with like brown shag carpet sticking out of the top of his head. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, you are improving. You're upping your recommendation game that I, I kind of want to seek it out. <laughs> Well, I I would totally recommend Amazon Women on the Moon. I mean, some of it's really stupid, but it's pretty fun, and the parodies are really well done. Man, that's a a lot more Stanley Brocklove than I thought we were going to get, but uh, that's awesome. Unfortunately, uh, Harvey, Uncle Harvey, is no longer with us. God rest. 1991. That was not very long after this movie. Some would call it two years. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if you're counting. (laughs) <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> well, not Stanley Brock. Do we want to move on to the, the poker game? I do. Uh, I hope that means that you know something more about poker than either of us do. No, I don't. I, I, I hate watching poker in movies. It's so <laughs> stupid. I don't care. It is It is funny to see him with a giant pile of cash. You know, that that's kind of fun, but uh, not a poker player. <laughs> well, I did some research, meaning that I asked a friend who is a poker player, this isn't like it's the movies got it way wrong. It's totally not what they would do. But he says two pair aces high. That's not completely correct because he does have two pair. But in this case, the complete hand is two pair nines high because he's got two pair and then the off one is a nine. But the let's see, the, the actual full would be two pair aces over kings nine high. That's the full hand. Most of the time, they don't actually say all of that. They may say aces over kings, but they kind of leave the nine out unless it's Texas Hold'em or something like that. I don't know. I didn't get that far into it. Uh, I just kind of let him tell me the answer, and and I wrote some of it down. In this case, who cares? I don't even think we see anybody else's cards, so whatever. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better. I mean, the poker games and movies are pretty much all just a MacGuffin to get to somebody winning or losing, which happens. So the scene serves its function. Yes, and it's a good day to be Harvey. <laughs> yeah, the cigar. Oh my God, he's great. <laughs> apparently, uh, in the commentary, they make note that he was uh, um, dying. Apparently, he didn't couldn't deal with the the smoke very well, and uh, they just kept pumping it in because they wanted to make it really, you know, smoky. And I guess he was just uh, really struggling with that, according to Al. They killed him. <laughs> yeah. oh, 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 the sad part is uh, he wouldn't be the first one. 
What? Who else has died from smoke in this movie? Oh, we'll get there. Well, <laughs> oh, not because I, of smoke. Oh, I thought you said... I know, he, I know who you're talking about. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I do, too. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. Save yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to spoil that kind of stuff. Nope. Um, the only thing, my takeaway from the poker game is that I am really glad that I live in an age uh, where craft brew and or just good beer is very readily available because of Budweiser and... and uh, Miller Lite. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I like cheap beer in addition to really, really good beer. And that was maybe my favorite, you know, visual aspect of the poker scene was getting to enjoy the, the crappy beer. Because uh, that's certainly what my, you know, my, my relatives had floating around when I was a kid was, you know, uh, Miller and Lowenbrow and what else was like a Michelob, you know, just a lot of Miller genuine draft. And uh, yeah, I remember those cans very well. So that that's... You know, it's it's period correct. But yeah, it's great that we don't have to drink it. <laughs> we don't want to. <laughs> right on. Can we go back to Esther for a second here? Uh, I just realized I neglected a, um, a bit of business from the previous episode. Her um, dress, the poofy sleeves, I always think of, now when I watch the film, I always think of um, the scene in Napoleon Dynamite where uh, Napoleon compliments uh, uh, his date on her poofy sleeves. It just made me think of the clothing. There's a lot of uh, um, sports jackets in this episode and the, the extras at the party. Um, Harvey kind of wearing his polo uh, with a sports jacket over it made me wonder who the costume designer was. Uh, so I went back and looked at that. And uh, costume design done by Tom McKinney, who directly before this was just did uh, Poltergeist 3. So there you go. Uh, it's all very period correct, you know, late 50s stuff. These costumes, the, you know, his suit and everything. Mm-hmm. They're definitely showing these guys of a different era. You know, I think it's pretty effective. Taking yeah. It back to the punch bowl. <laughs> and we're not we're not uh we're not skipping over like one of my favorite parts of this minute are we big louie big louie no we, <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh go big louie away because i he's i could not find a credit i don't know i could not find out who the voice of big louie is uh or who the hand actor is for big louie i guess i'll say so <laughs> enlighten us jonathan no i i couldn't either I was more distracted by just like what it what it means or what it reminds me of, and you, you've got uh, Blofeld from You Only Live Twice. You've got Doctor Evil, which came later from the Austin Powers movies. Uh, my direct uh, line of uh, reference would be Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. There's got to be other things that that reference the same thing. This the the bad guy where you only see his arm. No, yeah, I mean for me this is definitely like I, I probably saw this before I. I know that I had seen some James Bond movies before this, but I, pr- I don't know that I saw this as a reference to Blofeld or or you know a Mister Big kind of character. I, I guess I kind of think of uh, you know Doctor Strangelove. You know Peter Sellers got his you know unscrewable arm. No, the the salami is a well. I don't I don't remember if the salami happens in this scene or a different one, but uh, yeah, the the Big Louie characters, the the voice in particular is is perfect and really fabulous. I just tried to look it up for you, and it says on on the uh, IMDb page, it's like one of the questions was uh, who provided the voice of Big Louie, and then it says according to the Ask Al section of WeirdAl.com, Al doesn't remember. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> That's the guy that in the commentary is giving us the exact address for all of these places. Yeah, so it's lost to history. Clearly this is deliberate. Either that or they, you know, he was already out of the picture by the time they were doing the, the voiceover work. Who knows? It's all second unit stuff. Al's not going <laughs> to stick around for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's been redacted. Yeah, probably. Um, speaking of Al giving us addresses, we know that this party sequence is shot at uh, 6636 South Knoxville Street, which is uh, kind of on the southeast side of town a little bit. But it is really close again to Terry's, uh, which kind of makes me, you know, when I, if we want to like zoom out, we, we kind of get in the weeds sometimes looking at these movies minute by minute. But if we think about the story thus far, um, everything has happened in one day. So he's worked a full shift at Burger World gone back to his apartment to hang out, gone, then drove across town to Terry's for dinner, and now it's still the same night. They're at this uh, party at Terry's Aunt and Uncle's, which is pretty close. It's only a, a matter of some blocks away. This is a pretty long night. Did you say uh, 6636 Knoxville? Uh, South Knoxville, yeah. Have you been to 6636 South Knoxville in Tulsa, Oklahoma? No, I'm just going to look it up on Zillow. I want to see what this house looks like. Oh, it looks like you would expect it. It doesn't disappoint. Oh, it's got the, uh, the, the what is it? It's not flagstone, the, the, the exterior here in the garage. Yeah, this is Fieldstone. gorgeous. Built in 1974. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. $300,000. Oh, my God. In Tulsa? <laughs> I... <laughs> yes, I like how they they keep saying in their listing that it's three bath, but there's no there's like a question mark on the how many bedrooms there are. Uh, how do you define bedroom? <laughs> yeah, what really is a bedroom anyway? I mean, you know. Well, I guess legally it has to have a closet. So maybe there's a bedroom that doesn't have a closet, so they can't technically call it a bedroom. I don't know. I'm just imagining that there's one bedroom and it ha- that bedroom has three bathrooms attached to it. Yeah, maybe the bedroom is like a 600-square-foot bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we got to get in there. It says it was uh, last sold in 2014. I don't know. I don't know if that's surprising or not surprising. All right, road trip to Tulsa. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm totally in. I was I was just got hung up on the Rodeo Drive. It's so silly. Yeah, like when I was a kid, I didn't realize, I, I realized that he was being silly, but I didn't actually know what the, the real thing was. Not until you saw a pretty woman. I've actually never seen that either. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think uh, the three of us are going to take a recess, and we are going to watch the Richard Greer film, Pretty Woman. And uh, What? (laughs) I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) And we'll be back uh, shortly with... uh, Episode three. Oh, wait a minute. We can't. Hold on. The dog. The punch bowl. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. We know from the commentary that uh, Al was unimpressed with this dog. It didn't do what they wanted it to do. Yeah, it was supposed to hop on its back legs and jump into the punch bowl, which I think is pretty far a stretch, even for a talented dog, for them to ask it to jump into a punch bowl. That's a big ask for anyone, really. <laughs> so then he just threw it in there. <laughs> I do like he's he's trying to he's trying to feed it the punch though. He's being nice, I guess. I mean, unless it's there's alcohol in that punch. Well, there's uh, quite a bit of um, citrus with all the orange. Do we know our dogs uh, allergic to oranges? No oh boy. Is he pretty much just assuming that the party's over at this point? Like, 
Like, who else is going to drink the punch after he's been trying to feed it to this dog? Well, if the punch is spiked, maybe he's trying to get the party going by getting this dog drunk and then <laughs> setting it loose on the guests. I don't know. I, I don't think George has a concern about getting... Maybe that's why, like, he's... We don't see him being as bored as we would imagine ourselves because he's so clueless, you know? Uh and uh, he's just trying to entertain himself, like, moment by moment, the way he goes through all of his life. So he's playing with the dog, and he's like, hey, why wouldn't the dog want some punch? And then as soon as somebody calls his name, <laughs> the dog thing's done. He's moving on, you know? Yeah, I'll buy that. I, I am a little bit sad now that we don't get, uh, like, Chekhov's dog or something, that, that we don't see this dog with the little red belly, you know, like a punch belly running throughout the movie or something. Is there a dog in a tutu walking on its hind legs at any point in time on the daily programming of uh, his, his television station? I think the next time we see a dog, it's heading out a window. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we throwing this episode out the window? Yeah. All right. Well, um, listeners, please tweet at us at UHF62ND. And uh, tell us why we uh, should care about poker or alternately thank us for not spending a lot of time dissecting this poker game, whichever you prefer. (laughs) And then head on over to Space Station 5 to talk about 2001 with Rudy and Chris. That show sucks. (laughs) Let me be your heart! If you search with his name, Stanley Brock, and then Stanley okay. Brock, you know, rush, hold your fire, then 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 you'll see it. Okay, I found the picture. He's like in front of a house. Yeah, okay. Uh, it does. It looks like it's already been photoshopped. So I don't know if there's anything for me to to do to this. There's a cat <laughs> in the back. There's a dog. All right, this is not that interesting. Sorry, I brought it up. Does the dog have a red belly? You beat me to um, it. It's a Dalmatian in front of a fire hydrant, but that would be oh. great if they had done the tie-in of having a little Maltese or a little poodle or something with some punch-stained fur. Punch-stained fur. Is that your band name? <laughs> yeah. He used to play bass for punch-stained fur. Punch-stained fur.